Chicas, live and underway on this Thursday here on ESPN Plus. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. How you doing, Hercules? What are you wearing? It looks nice. Oh, my good friends in Seattle, uh, Ballard mm-hmm. FC. It's uh, USL League Two sent me this. It's a nice little, nice little getup. I like the colors. So you know how I am with Seattle. Absolutely. Can I can I give a shout out What's here that? to? Oh, it's in the net. Dave Johnson, man, the best to do it. What do you call those flowers out there? The, the cherry blossoms. Cherry it's, blossoms. It's kind of past cherry blossom season, but still uh, very, much, uh, very much a theme here in Washington, D.C. People go crazy for their cherry blossoms. Uh, let's get to what's on the rundown for tonight's show, because there is a lot to get to, Hercules Gomez. We got Sofia Huerta waiting in the wings. We're going to talk to the U.S. women's national team in just a second. We're also going to have an interview with Zach Steffen. He sat down with Alexis Nunez. She told us there was some, quote, spicy bits in there. So uh, we'll have to see uh, what that's all about. We've got the rosters for the United States and Mexico for the game they're going to play next week. We'll react to both of those. Plus, we'll recap the MLS vs. Liga Meki showdown that we had in CONCACAF Champions League. But let's start with the U.S. women's national team, who actually, of today, as of today, are 99 days away from the start of the World Cup. They were playing Ireland on Tuesday in St. Louis. Becky Sauerbrunn, of course, her hometown, being honored for hitting 200 caps. Now, she's never scored a goal. Keep that in mind. Alyssa Thompson, also in the starting 11. Once again, for her, making some history. Why did I mention that about Sauerbrunn? Because three minutes into the game, and in her 215th international appearance, she almost scored. Look so close, smile. Herc. Look at the smile. Look at the smile. She knew it, too. Off the crossbar. Ah. Almost. 15th minute. Alex Morgan, Alyssa Thompson, Sophia Smith just over the top. And good awareness by Alyssa Thompson there. She doesn't get hectic. She doesn't get frantic. She lays it off. It's a good little ball. Ireland didn't threaten much, but here's kind of a weird chance. Casey Murphy. Sharp to it over the bar. Yeah, just making sure there's no problems there. And then this set. Uh-oh. Alana Cook from distance scores on her birthday, and you might call it a gift. Uh, yeah, you'd call it a gift. Uh, epic goal or epic fail? Oh, what do you think, Seb? Got to put it in the mixer. You got to be dangerous, as uh, you always on, say. Come on, Seb. Keep there's it. What are you danger. doing? Some danger here. Beautiful buildup. Alyssa Thompson in behind. But the Irish defense manages to see off the threat. Here's a late chance for Ireland, but the shot from Carusa off the target as the U.S. women win 1-0. Here's Vlatko Andonovsky after the game. So with losing Mel, obviously, uh, conceptually, we may, be, uh, sl- uh, we may look slightly different, right? Because uh, you look at this team, the, the team was built or was going to build around uh, Mel and Sof uh, and uh, their attacking, uh, attacking power. Uh, now, with Mel not being there, we're going to have to make a decision uh, uh, whether we're going to go for you know, like for like and try and try the same way, or it's going to be a uh, or Mel is going to be replaced by a group of players, uh, and uh, we're going to change that uh, as as we go forward uh, from game to game. So I say 10 to 12. I don't know. It may be it may be 9. It may be 13. I can't, I can't go into details. If uh, if their goalkeepers don't get scored on, if you're a forward, score goals. <laughs> no, uh, I mean obviously good performances. So like, like I said, there's a group of players that we feel very comfortable with, and it will be communicated with them that all we're gonna need from them is to just to maintain an okay form, a decent form. 
U.S. starting to rack up the wins again. That's now eight straight victories for the U.S. women's national team after, of course, they dropped three straight games towards the end of last year. Thrilled then to welcome into the show from the U.S. women's national team and O.L. Reign of the National Women's Soccer League, Sofia Huerta. Sofia, thanks so much for making the time to be with us here uh, on Football Americas. You were just in St. Louis. Are, are you back on the West Coast already? Yeah, just got back to Seattle last night and have a game on Saturday. So it's a quick turnaround, <laughs> but definitely happy to be home. All right, so we're going to talk uh, NWSL in a little bit here, but let's talk national team because you, you just got back. The games against Ireland seemed like really, really tough. Uh, as I mentioned off the top of the show, 99 days till the World Cup starts. What's the vibe? What's the feeling around the team as you come away from that international break? Yeah, I think both those games were such good tests for us. I mean, Blackco kept saying that Ireland is a team that we're going to see in the World Cup. Not necessarily them, but just teams are going to play a low block. They're going to pack it in. They're going to have five in the back. You know, what are some you know things that we can do to break them down and score goals? I wouldn't say that the two games were the prettiest um, we've ever played. You know, we would like to beat Ireland probably by three to four goals. I think that's ideal. Um, but, you know, we got the win. And as you guys mentioned, we've won eight games in a row. And so obviously that just is, gains confidence for us going into the World Cup. So if you're obviously losing a player like Mallory Swanson, it's a massive blow. Uh, you get to see her every day on the practice field and actually maybe go up 1v1 with her. What kind of player is the U.S. women's national team losing here? Yeah, it's, it's hard to even talk about, to be honest. She's such a good player. Not, not just a good player, such a great person as well. But, you know, as Vodko said, we were going to build around her. She's so dangerous. She can turn a game around in a second. Um, she's not only good at connecting with her teammates, but just taking the ball from halfway and scoring herself. So it's a huge loss for us. Um, you know, obviously prayers go to Mal. We are thinking about her every day. And honestly, we're just going to play for her moving forward. But it's a big loss for the team, for sure. That was kind of the big story coming out of this window. Heading into the window, it was Julie Ertz is coming back. You know, tell us what this player brings to the team because she's been missing for a while and it seems like everybody's really glad to have her back. Yeah, I've known Julie since I was like 12 years old. We did regional team, youth national team together. We also played college together and club. So I've been, you know, around this amazing player for a long time. And I think, you know, we celebrated our 100th cap. So we had a few speeches, you know, in the pregame meeting about what she brought, brings to this team. And, you know, she's just a winner. She's a competitor. You know, every time she steps on the field, you know what you're going to get. She's going to do her job and she's going to do it well. So I think that obviously helps the players around her to do their jobs as well. So, yeah, people are happy to have her back. You know, anything to help us win a World Cup is really just ideal, of course. You know, piggybacking off of what Sebi just said, uh, I'm curious because everybody was worried about her fitness. It was almost 600 days uh, without any competitive uh, games and no club situation. You've seen her now in training sessions. How is she sharp? Is she fit? What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, it's Julie Ertz. She's always she wouldn't have come back if she didn't feel good um, or she didn't feel like she could compete. You know, I don't know exactly the details of what she was doing. The last couple of years, but I know that she was training. She was, you know, making sure she was going to be prepared coming to this camp. And like I said, if she didn't feel sharp, she wouldn't have come. All right. All right. OL Rain. We got to talk OL Rain. Uh, we do preseason mm -hmm. predictions. Sebi mm -hmm. predicted the OL Rain would actually make it to the final. He doesn't have you guys winning it. Unfortunately, uh, yeah. don't throw me under the bus. <laughs> well, 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 I'm going to I'm going to as well be honest uh, with Sophia. I have Portland winning it. Mm. Um, you guys <sighs> have had success over the years, but you haven't lifted that trophy. What are the expectations this season? 
Yeah, I mean, good point. You know, the OL has always definitely been historically such a good team. All, you know, have won three shields, um, you know, have made it to the final and lost, but have never actually, you know, oh, that's me. Um, you know, <laughs> never, have never really, yeah, yeah, we haven't won the final. And so I think the expectation for us this year is to win. I mean, we can't make it to the final, to the semifinal again and not win this year. We have such a good team. I mean, really everything has come together this year, just adding more puzzle pieces um, to the team. And I, we look sharp, honestly. I feel like coming out, we lost our first game, which is never ideal, but we always have a hard time versus Washington. I have no idea why. Um, but we all feel really good, and I think we're super positive about the season and think that we can win it all for sure. Uh, you got your home opener coming up, right, against San Diego Wave. Uh, tell us a little bit about that matchup and then just kind of w- what it means to play at Lumen Field because that's a big time. Yeah, being at Lumen Field is amazing. Um, you know, unfortunately, it is turf still, so that's not great. But, you know, it's we get a big crowd, and we love playing in Seattle. Seattle's such a soccer you know, city and we love it so much. And San Diego, you know, they're a good team. Um, they have some really good players. I'm sure you guys know Alex Morgan's on the team. Um, and they started off hot. They've scored like three goals in both their matches since the end of the season. So, you know, as a defender, you know, the goal is for them not to score at all. But, you know, they're a fun team to play. Um, and I can't wait to play them on Saturday. Well, the funny thing about this NWSL season or uh, these weeks coming through, Seb mentioned 99 days. Do you feel like this is almost an audition um, for a World mm. Cup spot? Do you feel like you're playing for a World Cup, World Cup spot in NWSL? Yeah, definitely. I mean, as Vladko said in the interview, there are a handful of players who are probably feeling pretty comfortable about their spot and just need to maintain healthy. Um, and then there's a handful of players who are fighting to make that World Cup roster. And, you know, he has made that, I feel like, pretty clear to the players, I'm sure. So I do think that it's important for these next two months to showcase what, you know, you can bring. Um, you know, personally, I feel like I want to show that I deserve to be on the 23 roster and, you know, show what I can do defensively and on the offense. So, yeah, it definitely feels like it is a little bit of an audition. But at the same time, you know, you've got to back yourself and you just have to stay present and um, not, you know, worry too much about the future because I think that can definitely um, impact how you're playing and performing. So it's really just taking it day by day. You know, this is a sport we've been playing for a long time. So I think a lot of players are just staying present and trying to focus on what they can do for their club team. Okay, Sophia, we bring people on the show. We like to, you know, do our research, right? And sometimes a good way to do that is via your social media. Well, Herc doesn't do much research, I'll be honest. Uh, so so we, have, we have been checking out your Instagram for uh, a segment here called InstaVAR mm-hmm. uh, and, and see what these, these pictures, oh, these images bring to mind. Uh, we're actually going to start early days of your career, early days of your career, uh, as, we, as we check in on the past in InstaVAR. This is you in Australia, so tell us about your time down under, and then you're going to get to go back there now for the World Cup, yeah? I mean, we can only hope, but yeah, that was uh, my first year in Australia. I played for Adelaide. Um, it was a really good experience. You know, they were kind of bottom of the table, so that wasn't too fun. But then the next year as I went and played for Sydney and we actually won the grand final. So, but that was such a fun year. Adelaide is an amazing city. Um, and I loved playing down under. I mean, Australia is an awesome place to be and I hope I make it back there in the summer. You know, every footballer has this kind of full circle moment in their career. You're still very young. Would this be a full circle moment for you? Yeah, of course. I mean, 
I have a unique journey where I was with the national team for a couple of years, stopped being called in for a couple of years. That's obviously really difficult. Never was quite sure if I was going to get the opportunity to play on the team again. And so obviously I've had my second chance, you know, I'm very thankful for that. And it would definitely be a full circle moment to play in the world cup back in Australia, where I feel like I really did find my confidence as a player um, and was able to come back from the NWSL and showcase what I could do, which was initially why I got called in back in 2017. So it definitely would be a full circle moment for me. And I'm really, really hoping I make the squad. Uh, you mentioned your time away from the national team. What about your start with the U.S. women's national team? That's next here on Instavar. Do you remember your debut and specifically an assist you got in your debut? Am I correct there? No, oh, you are correct. Yes, I remember this day like it was yesterday. I was uh, had to do the one-time switch from Mexico to U.S. and I had been training with the U.S. team for a couple months, but my papers hadn't been approved. So the day before this game, I got a call from Jill, although I was in camp, but we weren't near each other, and she wanted to just let me know that my papers were approved and I was going to get minutes. So this is it. It's a little baby soap. I feel like I see Back you do that in 2017. all the time. Yeah. Yes, that is uh, my signature, for sure. Beautiful ball out there on the on the right flank. I mean, first time you were sending a message, right, that uh, that you were going to be able to keep doing that. All right, so we've got the debut with the U.S. Women's National Team, but you actually mentioned it, um, and, and it's perfect for this show. Herc's Mexican-American, I'm Mexican-American. You started your international career um, with Mexico, so this is this is way back in the day. <laughs> Tell us about, about your time with, with the Mexican National Team, I think both at at the youth level and then senior level and kind of that that transition from Mexico to U.S. Yeah, I mean, playing for Mexico was such an amazing experience. I went to the U-20 World Cup in Japan. Um, we had a lot of success. We were the first uh, team, first Mexican team to make it out of the bracket at a World Cup. So that was obviously a great experience. And then I played a couple games with the full team, but ultimately just knew my, my biggest dream was to play for the U.S. So after 2013, I respectfully declined any invitation I got from Mexico moving forward because I just knew that I wanted to play for the U.S. So, um, you know, U.S. wasn't really knocking on my door yet. So that was kind of a scary decision to make at the time. But obviously, patience was key because a few years later, I finally got my first call up. You know, this doesn't have anything to do with the U.S. women's national team or the Mexican national team. It's got to be a thrill for you, at least, to kind of see how much the game's growing out there with Liga Mexis uh, Femenil and how mm. massive it's gotten. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy to see that. You know, I feel like when I was playing for Mexico, that was something that I noticed. It just wasn't, you know, women's football wasn't celebrated as much. But now, I'm, you know, I'm seeing games all the time. I'm flipping through the channel on my TV and a game's on. I'm watching it. There's a huge crowd. The energy is really, you know, great to see. Um, and, you know, I'm just so happy that the game has grown so much over there. And it's just, it's amazing to see. Who do we got in the background there? <laughs> Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, there she is, Sofia Huerta of OL Reign and the U.S. Women's National Team. Great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Thanks so much for the time, and uh, good luck this weekend against San Diego. Thank you guys so much, but no thanks to saying we're not going to win the final. Yeah, there you go, Seb. Take well, that, Herc, Seb. What are you doing? Take that, Seb. Very <laughs> disappointed. <sighs> for shame, for shame. Next year, we'll do better. Next year, we'll do better. Here's a look at the uh, NWSL weekend slate. There you see it, OL Reign, San Diego Wave, that one on Saturday. Action kicks off Friday, Portland Thorns and the Houston Dash.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Anthony Hudson naming the 23-man squad for USA-Mexico friendly next week in Arizona. Remember, it's outside a FIFA window. Club's not obligated to send their players. Serginho Dest, the only Euro-based call-up. Of course, uh, out of sorts with AC Milan. Everybody else from MLS with the exceptions of Joshua Winder. Louisville in the USL, and Alan Sonora, who plays in Mexico with FC Juarez. Ten veterans from the last World Cup in this group, and uh, no Alejandro Sendejas, Club América opting to keep him in Mexico. Here's Anthony Hudson with more on the roster. He's obviously had his injury. The club uh, politely declined, and that's well within their right to do that. Um, And all I will say is... uh, we were, you know, disappointed because we we would have loved to have had him here. I know he was desperate to come. I mean, he's such a he's a great guy. He's like desperate to be involved. Um, but I do want to add the club also the fact that we're in this position, talking the way we are to Alejandro and have built this relationship with Alejandro. The fact that we're here is because the club have been so good uh, with us. They didn't they didn't need to let him come in January. All right, so the United States and Mexico have faced off plenty of times in recent years. Next week's meeting will actually be the 75th all-time. All right, Herc, this is one of your favorite activities here on Football Americas. It is time to rate the roster. A, B, C, D, F. What kind of roster is this? for the U.S. men's national uh, I'm glad you realize there's no E in that grading <laughs> system, you guys and your D.C. rules. Um, honestly, this is a C roster at best, and I can make an argument for mm. it being a D roster. Um, listen, there are a lot of names on that roster that have never been on a U.S. men's, men's national team roster that, that honestly have a handful of first-team football games, if mm. I'm being honest. One player, Joshua Winder, doesn't even have first-team football. Oh, he's got first-team football. He doesn't have top-flight football. Well, there's a, there, difference. There's a big difference. There's when a I difference. can see first-team, that's top-flight. That's what I'm talking about. And the rest of the world, that's what they will talk about. Now, remember when we did this with the Gold Cup and, and, and everything mm-hmm. kind of blew up and we were talking yep. about the Gold Cup? You want to talk... Really quickly. James Sands, Sam Bynes, Gianluca Busio, uh, Giochini, Giassi Zardes, Henry Kessler, Donovan Pines, Jonathan Lewis, uh, Matthew Hoppe, Jackson Ewell, Eric Williamson. Those are some of the players on that Gold Cup roster. None of those players were at the World Cup. None of those players were maybe one or two, but maybe scratching, you know, that bubble player to get to the World Cup. 
this is a team that's very much a C, maybe D squad. Now, what I get out of this, if I can get anything out of this, mm -hmm. is uh, a guy like Joshua Winder. That, to me, is a game changer. That changes the game. Here's a 17-year-old, a teenager, that opted for USL instead of Major League Soccer. Mm -hmm. And maybe that four-year contract that Major League Soccer does and said, you know what? USL said, you know what? We'll give you one, two, maybe three years less than Major League Soccer, and we're going to give you the games you need. Because if you sign as an academy player or MLS player, first-team player, you're not guaranteed to get that time. I think here, wasn't it was guaranteed? It was more probable. And with doing that, in doing so, he caught the eye of a team like Benfica. So before he even played top-flight football, He's on a European radar. And before he even plays with the European team, he's got a U.S. men's national call-up, Seb. This changes the game for any young player looking for a pathway not only to Europe, but to the U.S. men's national team. This is a game changer. Shout out to USL because he's not the first USL guy. He's not even the first Louisville City guy, right? right. Uh, Jonathan Gomez back in late 2021 got a cap with the U.S. men's national team before... He made the jump to Real Sociedad and, and that big signing out of USL. So USL and specifically Louisville City, I think, deserves a shout out. They're doing something right. Some numbers here. Uh, four uncapped players in the roster, 10 players with 10 caps or fewer. There's 10 World Cup vets, and that sounds like a lot. In fact, it's more than Mexico called in. But when you look at who they are, Dest, Walker, Zimmerman, they're the only two starters. Jesus Ferreira, I guess you'd have to throw in there, too. He was a starter against Netherlands but didn't play at all in the group phase. So it's, it's not the important pieces, Herc, of the U.S. men's national team. I'm surprised you gave it a C. I really thought you could have given it a D. When I look at this, we knew, we knew when this was announced that this would be way off an yeah. A because of the amount of Americans in Europe, which is different from the amount of Mexicans in Europe, and we'll make that comparison in just a little bit. When you take the Americans in Europe out of the American pool, you decimate it. You really do, Herc. So I, I'm surprised you went with C. Do you yeah. think that this team is better than the Gold Cup team or no. worse than the Gold Cup worse team? worse than the Gold Cup okay, team. Okay, so Absolutely. you gave that Gold Cup a C rating. So yeah. really, yeah. really, you're fading this D. This is a D, you're yeah, saying. I, yeah, I said at best just because mm -hmm. those players, there was no World Cup. You're taking 10 players who went to a World Cup. So maybe, but... It's at best a C, but there's a strong argument for it to be a D team. And if you actually look at this team and, and the players they have on this team, and you mentioned, I mean, Jesus Ferreira played 45 minutes at the World Cup. You know, uh, there are players here who may have went but didn't actually get on the field. Walker Zimmerman didn't have the strongest outing. Serginho Dest is not even playing at the moment. So you can make a case as to why they are there. But you look at some of the names on here, um, and I will repeat this. I said it back then. It's getting awfully easy mm. to get a national team cap. It's getting awfully easy to make it to the U.S. men's national team, and that used to not be the case at all. Give me a D. If for no other reason, Herc, give me a D so that our colleagues down in Mexico can have a field day with that. Because you know they had a field day with the C grade that you gave back and I was in the right. Gold Cup two and I was years right. ago. They ate that you wanna, up. You want to say I was right? Because I was right. You were right. Look at last call-up, by the way, really quickly. The last Nations League call-up, mm -hmm. one player from Major League Soccer, that was Miles Robinson. The rest were, I mean, that, that game against Granada, there were no MLS players. That was an all-Euro mm -hmm. roster. Right. Uh, also called up in this group, an MLS player, Matt Miazga, of course, uh, right now is with FC Cincinnati. And he actually, Herc, had a lot to say about his re-inclusion into the U.S. men's national team. Here it is. 
I told you guys in November, I was screwed over multiple times in the past. Yeah, I think it is what it is. I always felt like I should be a part of that group throughout my career, especially the last few years. I'm grateful to be able to show face again. Clearly shots fired here, her. At who and are they warranted? Well, I think the shot fi shots fired, excuse me, uh, from Matt Miazga at the previous regime, which would be mm -hmm. Greg Berhalter and that coaching staff, um, and Anthony Hudson was with that coaching staff, mm -hmm. so maybe at Anthony Hudson as well. Here's the issue, and Matt Miazga is, I love that he's a very honest individual. Yep. But unless Matt Miazga tells us why, this comes off as sour grapes, because listen, Ricardo Pepe, he got screwed over. Zach Steffen, he got screwed over. John Anthony Brooks, he could even say, I've got an argument to say I got screwed over. Unless you tell us why, mm. it sounds like sour grace because there's a lot of people who are gonna look at your club situation, your club resume during that time, and maybe say, hey, you just weren't in the mix. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we know it's Greg Berhalter, right? Because if we go back to last October, remember before the World Cup, there was that conditioning camp for the MLS guys. Miazga wasn't called into that yeah. and he was asked about it at the time. Here's what he said. Quote, we didn't see eye to eye on a few things in the past and that has affected me from being called up, right? So we know he's talking about Berhalter. But in, in the same availability, he also says this. Me and Greg have been texting throughout the last four years. He's been in touch with me recently and I'm sure he watches my games. That doesn't sound, Herc, like a guy that's getting screwed over. That sounds like a guy who's outside the national team that the manager is still taking time to keep in touch with and keep engaged. That doesn't sound like a guy who had a, a hard time. Yeah, here's in, in the year leading up to the World Cup, he played a third of the games at Alaves, and he was a free agent looking for work in MLS. Yeah, uh, the, the, Alaves got relegated, didn't they? He played a third of the games, whether they got yeah. relegated or not. Yeah, I well, mean, no, 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 no. I'm just saying. And, and here's the situation that, and this is what I'm saying. Unless he tells us why, it sounds like sour grapes because there are often times when you have discussions mm -hmm. with the coach, and we don't know what he was promised. We don't know what he envisioned or was mm -hmm. told would be in his. He's process. told us he's going to come out and tell it, and and this well, would have seemed to have been the opportunity. Come out and tell it, because right? if not, this just sounds like you're bitter. He debuted in 2015, by the way. Greg Berhalter doesn't take over till 2019, right? So, yeah. I mean, it can't all be on, on Greg Berhalter. If he got screwed over, I don't think it was by the national team manager. It was probably by the decision to go to Chelsea. We always say, like, those moves are the ones that you can never turn down. But if he doesn't go on five loans and, and settles down at a decent place instead of being on the Chelsea books for half a decade and never playing there... Yeah. Maybe he does make the World Cup. You know, maybe that's the difference instead. So Miazga was sounding off. He's not the only one. So did Zach Steffen. He sat down with our Alexis Nunez, Herc. Here is that interview. Let's listen in. We'll react afterwards. Well, Zach, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I mean, finally, it's a well overdue catch-up. Mm -hmm. um, much better than the little boxes on <laughs> Zoom. And obviously a lot's happened, you know, since COVID, since you moved here too. Now at Middlesbrough, things mm -hmm. looking well. Yeah. Uh, getting to work with the likes of Michael Carrick and United, great. <laughs> um, just overall, how's everything been going and just the experience here uh, in Teesside? It's been great. Um, definitely, definitely the right move for myself. Uh, off the field's great, on the field. Um, we're in a good spot, uh, although we've had a couple of tough results uh, the last couple of games, but um, the group of guys have been amazing. Michael and, and his staff have been amazing um, and just brought a lot of belief and confidence and, um, and just passion into, into, the, into the club. So it's been, 
training's been a lot of fun and, and we've been growing and, and getting better and um, everybody's balled in and that's exactly what you need. How are you finding the league? Because everyone obviously says we know how difficult this league is. I mean, it, it's a completely different, um, I suppose, atmosphere as well from the Premier League. Uh, the fans, especially mm -hmm. in this part mm -hmm. of the country, we know how passionate yeah. uh, they can be as well. Um, how, how did you find any difficulties adjusting to that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a couple of years since I've played consistently, uh, week in, week out. And um, so I think in the beginning, beginning of the season, I, um, I struggled with, um, in some games and in some moments. And, um, and yeah, and that's all talking about adapting and, and getting used to things, getting used to new teammates and, and the league. And the league is tough. It's, uh, it's very physical. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no VAR, so you can get away with uh, some things that you normally wouldn't get away with in the Prem. Um, and uh, in the beginning, beginning of the season, we struggled as a team. We struggled um, just to kind of have, have the leadership and, and the guidance. So, um, now that we found that, it, it's been uh, it, it's been easier to kind of um, just to play and yeah. have fun and, and enjoy everything and um, go into work every day and, and um, want to get better, want to get uh, want to push the guys next year. Well, you mentioned of course the the drop that they had um, for the World Cup. Oh, we do have to talk about the World Cup. Okay. I know. <laughs> you know it's cool. coming. Take us in for what? It's cool. No, I mean, it, it happens. Football. We know. Um, what was it like, I suppose, for you overall watching, you know, the U.S. Um, at the World Cup from home? Yeah, it was really tough. Yeah. Um, but, of course, I want to support the boys. They, like, the, the brotherhood that we have, the camaraderie is unbelievable. It's so special. Um, and that's something that you really don't let anything spite or anything get in, mm. in, in the way of. So... Um, yeah, it was, it, it was tough to watch it with family and friends and not be there and, um, and, and all that. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, that's football, that's life. Everything happens for a reason. And, um, yeah, it allowed me to, uh, to, to find some other good things in my life that I uh, need to focus on and, and um, that have helped me get to, to where I am today. And we know that Greg um, pretty much said, obviously, giving um, Matt his time mm -hmm. and to some probably almost even have you there, the media, we know that we would probably put this as a you versus him type of thing. And it was just potentially giving unnecessary headlines that could distract the camp as a whole Maybe. or the squad as a whole. Um, when you heard that, I suppose, as, as reasoning, was it still kind of hard to take or could you kind of understand um, his thinking behind that? I, I didn't hear about that until like a couple months later. Um, or I heard somebody say that, but I thought it was like a rumor or whatever. Um, and he's, a, yeah, he was the coach at the time. I mean, he and I have a long history and... Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it, it was a little bit different than it was, obviously, and um, yeah, it's something I, I've I've learned as well, um, and that was a tough pill to swallow, um, for sure. But uh, that's that's the way it is, and that's the way it is. Did you get to talk to him or, or any of the boys as well after, during, throughout? Uh, Matt or Greg? Just anybody. Yeah, Greg first, and then of course any no. of the boys in the camp. No, I haven't spoken to Greg since yeah since that phone call. That's uh, they weren't gonna come. So I mean, yeah, I thought like I said, I thought I thought things were different and closer and whatever, but it, it's not that way. But um, 
No, I, I just gave them those guys their their space and let them enjoy the the World Cup and and um, I knew that they were going to go out there and kill it and and um, and. Uh, yeah, impress the world. So um, I talked. Yeah, I saw him for the first time again this past camp in in March um, a year later. So it was it was good to good to be back and good to be with those guys and see them. Uh, your future now, ideal wise, of course, for club and for country. Um. Short term promotion with Borough. That's mm. that's yeah, that's number one. Um, yeah. And you feel at home at Borough? Because yeah. I did see you still have your ties to City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do. I, I, I like it up here. I, I feel, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good good place, um, which is important. Um, but, yeah, promotion with Borough, and then we'll figure out the, the next season and the next steps. All right, first things first. Excellent work from Alexis to get and deliver us that interview. Second, Herc, your reaction to what we heard there from Zach Steffen. This is getting screwed over. Mm. This is what getting screwed over is. The reasoning for a goalkeeper who played the most important games in World Cup qualifying, that's not my opinion, that's not your opinion. That was Matt Turner's opinion. On this show, on this platform, he told us, Greg Berhalter went with Zach Steffen in the important games, the Mexico games, Costa Rica at home, he went with Zach Steffen. It was made clear to him. A player that has history or had history with Greg Berhalter, club level, there's a trust that's built there. For us to believe that he wasn't one of the three best goalkeepers in that pool, mm. and that the only reason he didn't go to the World Cup we're led to believe is so Matt Turner can be at ease mentally. I don't think Matt Turner is a weak individual mentally. I don't think Matt Turner would have blinked twice at the competition. But to take that away from him, a World Cup, from a player that you knew, that you trusted, that you mentored and coached for so long, that's getting screwed over. That really is. And it's a bitter pill to swallow for any footballer. And it made my stomach turn just kind of watching that interview. Yeah. If you're in Stefan's shoes, you almost wish that he would have just said, hey, I think you're the fourth best goalie. You know, even if that was impossible for you to believe, it's almost like that's what you would rather hear. Rather hear. Uh, let's spin it forward for him. What do you think is on the depth chart right now? He's behind Matt Turner, unfortunately. Okay. And it's, but is he number two? I, I, oof, there's a good argument for, um, excuse me, for... Um, Oh, the other goalkeeper who's in uh, Horvath. Hor Ethan Horvath, who's leading, the, who's leading the championship mm -hmm. in clean sheets at the moment. You can make an argument, but Zach has history. Zach right. has history with the program. He's got history with these players. We were told he's the goalkeeper because of the style of play, et cetera, et cetera. I have him still penned as a number two. The ironic thing is he leaves City. Mm. It's like he switched roles. He changed roles with Matt Turner. Yep. When people were telling him it was important for him to play, he goes and tries to play because that's what he was told. And look what happens. Yep. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying the irony of this all. Yep. All right, so Zach Steffen, at least right now, enjoying his time at Middlesbrough. Of course, the championship is available for you on ESPN+. And we have a U.S. men's national team showdown in the championship. Middlesbrough against Norwich, which means Zach Steffen against Josh Sargent. That's Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, noon Pacific, live here on ESPN+.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Atlas, Philly. Second leg of the quarterfinal. This one in Guadalajara. Of course, uh, Philly, one nothing winners in the first leg at home. 11 minutes in. How about that for a start from Atlas? Julian Quinones, 1-0. Osiel Herrera right there. A uh, little give and go uh, with Quinones. He will be with the Mexican national team in mm-hmm. Phoenix. Great goal by Quinones. So 1-1 there on aggregate. Philly responds. Jack McGlynn, Julian Carranza. This now, is- it was ruled offside initially, but that's why they have VAR. It's overturned. 1-1, 2-1 Philly on aggregate. Yeah, these linesmen had a field day. That's a ridiculous, dirty ball from Jack McGlynn. And look at this. Put it away. Ooh, Andre Blake, huge save on Julian Quinones. Few minutes later, Quinones setting up Aldo Rocha. This is a bad miss, Herc. That's a choke. That's a choke job. Choke job. What are you doing? Just completely whiffs this. That was it right there. Andre Blake was in trouble. No go. 44th minute, Philly with a chance. What? Speaking of bad misses. Yeah, I don't know how they did not go in. Ocial Herrera again doing his thing. And then look at that. Julio Furch. How many times have you seen Julio Furch, Julian Quinones, be factors for Atlas? Ocial Herrera, one of the more exciting young players in Liga Mekis. Atlas up 2-1, 2-2 on aggregate. Philly still with the advantage, and they push it even further in the 78th minute. Carranza scores again. It's ruled offside again. They got it wrong again. Yeah, Mikel Ure this time does exactly what he should. He completely botched one right before this. And look, Jim Curtin's pumped. That's the goal. Billy, 3-2 on aggregate. Oh, no. Quinones chance here. Yeah, six minutes left. He puts that in. It completely changes the game, gives him that momentum. Look at this. Frustration sets through. A double yellow in the same play. Aldo Rocha, the captain, he gone. Atlas down to 10. Philly celebrates as they go to Mexico, get a result, and advance to the semis. That was Wednesday. We had a doubleheader Tuesday. Leon losing 2-1 against Violet. They advance 6-2 on aggregate hurt. Yeah, uh, set pieces Violet. I mean, Leon sent a... Well, very much a second team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Violet doing their thing right there. That's a penalty kick. Absolutely, 100% to the spot we go. You think you should put it away? Mm-hmm. He does. Shout out to the Haitians. Lost uh, 5 nothing in the first leg, but uh, got themselves a victory there. LAFC, they face Vancouver. 1-3-0 in the first leg. 1-3-0 in the second leg. It's good play. I mean, it's Carlos Vela's show. It's the Carlos Vela show. He's coming out at the right time. Two goals for him. It's a ridiculous ball by the newly minted American citizen, Ilya Sanchez. Just throwing it out there. That's right. So uh, LAFC easily passed Vancouver, meaning it'll be LAFC against Philly in an MLS Cup rematch in an all-major league soccer CONCACAF Champions League semifinal, Herc. Who are you going with? All right. There's a difference between who I'm going with and who I think the favorite is. And let me explain mm, to you, okay? okay? Let me explain to you. I mean, it's very easy right now to look on paper and just be like, LAFC is flying. 
Denny Boanga is the best player in North America at the moment on paper because of everything he's doing. You can make an argument for that. Carlos Vela is easily the most talented player on this continent or one of the most talented players this continent's ever had. You can obviously make an argument for that. Steve Chirundolo seems to be not only coming into his own but making us feel like he's not going to be here next season. Mm. Like, he gone. He's going to be in Europe very soon. And yet... I look at what LAFC has done and why they were able to do things compared to a Philly team that's been short, struggling in league play, but in CONCACAF Champions League has only had two goals scored against them. This Atlas game, very complicated game in Mexico, and you ask yourself why they would be struggling. Well, they just don't have the depth that LAFC has. LAFC is obviously a very deep team, but you look at their team on paper they can for sure complicate it with mm -hmm. anybody here uh, you've got one of the best goalkeepers in the region in andre blake a very mm -hmm. stingy defense who mm -hmm. had two uh, defender of the year nominees last season a very good coach you've got a very good offensive trident uh, led by gazdak who should have been an mvp last year i know they're struggling right now mm -hmm. but this is a pick em for me sebi okay. and the only thing making me lean lafc at the moment is that they close out at home. They close yep. the series out in Los Angeles. There's no way that the odds makers are not going to make LAFC the favorite here, right? Just based on form, talent, history, everything. LAFC history. has I mean, to be the favorite. got like five years as a club. We're talking about history. Okay. History against Philadelphia Union. That doesn't count for anything. I think oh, it's obvious God. LAFC is going to be the favorite Are you going to bring up history against, LA, against the Philly Union? You Come on, don't be unfair to the Philly. It took Gareth Bell, a Gareth Bell wonder goal. It took a Gareth Bell wonder goal and a John McCarthy PK-like heroic performance for Philly to lose that. And you're going to say history? I can't believe this man. This is the man who picked LAFC, and I'm the guy that's picking the Philadelphia Union. I know they got some shoddy results, Hurt, in MLS play so far this year. I don't, I don't love oh, losing to Inter-Miami. That, that, that's not a great look. I don't like the scoreless draw in Sporting Kansas City. I told you they're not deep, but you're picking Philly? Okay. I know LAFC has more goal-scoring options, and I know LAFC is hotter right now, but I think there's two critical advantages here for the Philadelphia Union. Go ahead. One is in the technical area. I think Jim Curtin's a better coach than Steve Terundolo, oh, and I'm betting bold, on Jim Curtin. I'm betting on Jim Curtin to solve a problem the second, third time around that he hasn't been able to solve. Especially, Herc, over 180 minutes. The other advantage that I think is clear, you pointed out, Andre Blake. We saw it. Without yeah. Andre Blake, I don't know that Philadelphia is here in the semifinals. He is that good. He is the difference maker. And I think those two critical advantages and a little bit of just being due. You can only lose to a team so much before you finally get your due. I think Philadelphia is going to I think Philadelphia is going to be the MLS team in the final of the CONCACAF Champions League. I said it was a pick 'em. They can go either Take way. Take the bet. Take the bet. If you want, all right. 100 bucks. I'll, 100 bucks. I'll, I'll take Philly. Okay, I'll take LA for okay. 100. But there uh, it is. Really quickly. Really uh -huh. quickly. Sidebar on that bet. Uh, Jim Curtin and Steve Torello. Steve Torello goes to Europe first. Okay, all right. 100 on that too? Sure, it's your okay. money. There it is, there it is. Let's take a look at the uh, bracket as of now because we know the, the MLS side of things. We don't know the, the other side of things. Tigres and Motawa of Honduras finishing things up tonight. Tigres won the first leg one nothing. second leg back at El Volcan. So it uh, seems like Tigres should be able to finish it off, but with them lately, let's be honest, you never know. Ah, come on.
Uh, Diego Coca has his list of 23 players called up for the USA-Mexico game next Wednesday. Four players each from America, Chivas, and Pachuca. None from Tigres. Huh? Of course, not a FIFA window. Julian Araujo, the only Euro-based player. The rest are Liga Mekis, no MLS players. You got nine guys from the squad that went to Qatar. Uh, no Victor Guzman, producer Beto was very bitter about that. No Chofis Lopez either. I know some folks were very upset about that one. Hercules Gomez, you gave the US roster a C. At best. But it really sounded like you were, you were leaning D. I guess it's my job to grade this roster, right? Sure, well give us, give us what you got, I mean. Let's, let's see, see the umbrella open up. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. I'm giving this a very solid B, okay? There are only nine players in this group that went to the World Cup. That is one less than the, the 10 that, that the U.S. is getting. However, the Mexican players that are coming played much bigger roles, Sports. right, at the World Cup. You got Henry Martin, you got Alexis Vega. Those, there's two of your starting front three right there. Yep. You got Luis Chavez, who... Scored a goal. 99 out of 100 people would tell you was Mexico's best player at the World I Cup. I told you he'd be the breakout player in June. And you got guys like Nestor Araujo, Jesus Gallardo, who has... Much as you want to criticize them, certainly had their roles, had their value to the team in Qatar. So it's a team that has not just World Cup players like the U.S., but World Cup starters. So to me, it's a pretty solid team. The other reality here is the reality of Mexican football. There's just not that many players in Europe, right? Of the 26 guys that went to Qatar, there were only nine, Herc, that were in Europe. So you take that nine out, it's not an A team, but I can't knock it down to a C. I have to give this a very solid B team for Mexico. Oh, so a very solid B team for Mexico mm -hmm. playing mm -hmm. in a very pro Mexican national team venue mm -hmm. that will be Arizona. Mm -hmm. Like, I, There's no doubt in my mind mm -hmm. it's going to be close to 90, if not more percent Mexican national mm -hmm. team fans there. They should mop the floor with this U.S. men's national team D team, as you put it. Yes, that will be the expectation. I believe the word is obligados, no? Yes. Now, Obligados implies that there's going to be some consequence afterwards. I don't think you should ever obligate a B team, first of all, especially when it's a B team not due to injury, but because you're making a cash grab. Uh, and second of all, when it's, you know, first few games of a new manager. I don't think that's fair to the players, and it's definitely not, not fair to the manager. But will there be massive criticism? Are they huge favorites? Yes, Mexico is a huge favorite over this U.S. team. There's no other way to look at it. It's B team versus D team. That's still a huge gap. We said Mexico's A team was a favorite over the U.S. C team, right? Yep. It's basically the same thing. You say it's not obligados, and it may not be for you, the press, and you, the fan. No, for the press and the fans, well, but no, not, in, not really, Herc. Well, There's not really an obligation. You're no, not going to no, fire no. Let me Let me finish. Let me finish. It's not an obligation for the press or the fans. But it is an obligation for Diego Coca, for him. <clears throat> Think about this for a second. Diego Coca is the guy who's, playing, who's paying the price for Tata Martino's mistakes, the heir of Tata Martino's ways before he was there. But if the Mexican national team does not win this game, it'll be the fifth game in a row they've not beaten the U.S. men's national team. And they will not beat the U.S. men's national team versus a very weekend, you just said, D team. Mm-hmm. You, could you imagine the immense pressure yes. that Diego Coca and the Mexican yes. national team would be heading into the CONCACAF Nations League final yes. or semifinal? Excuse me, semifinal, not even final, semifinal in Las Vegas if they don't get a result, a favorable result 
versus this version of the U.S. men's national team. That's why Obligados, mm -hmm. I think he's Obligado because the yeah. repercussions for him personally, nobody's saying he's going to get fired, but he's going to put himself in a position yeah. where it's his back against the wall and unneeded pressure for his team heading into a game that he shouldn't be in, a position he shouldn't be in, a semifinal versus the States. I like that point. Beyond the rivalry, there is something at stake here in terms of the buildup of pressure ahead of the Nations League. It's a little release valve, right? If exactly. you get this win, even if it's against a D, you know, you can hang it up there, a victory over the United States. Let's run it back. And we're going to run it back all the way to Greece. That's where we find Orbelin Pineda and Matias Almeida. Now, uh, AK lost this game 2-1 to one against Olympiacos on Wednesday. This is the Greek Cup semis. But it was the second leg. They won the first leg 3-0 way back in early February. So they advanced 4-2 on aggregate. They're going to face PAOK in the final on May 20th. Orbelin playing for some hardware. Yeah, uh, they, they ended up advancing and retired James Rodriguez from uh, Olympiacos. That's what ended that? up happening here. That's but Matias right. Almeida and Orbelin who keeps on flying onto the final. Venga, mi pastor. Very impressive what he's uh, been able to do over there in the Greek League. We got more good news here for L3 fans. The women's national team taking on the Houston Dash. Remember, they beat the Red Stars 5-2. Ninth minute, Jackie Ovalle opening the scoring for Mexico. Yeah, gets on a loose ball right there. Don't know how much she knew about that. Gets a leg out and it goes in. Almost a half hour mark. We've been screaming for Charlene Corral's inclusion in the national team. There she is. When you're a goal scorer, you're a goal scorer. You know, it just comes to her empty net. She will take that. No experience needed there. Mexico up 2-1 after the finish from Corral. 37th minute. Ovalle. How about this? It looks like there was a deflection there. It's a nice little turn, but look at the deflection off the defender. Yep, and then Kaha puts the goalkeeper in the net. More from Mexico in the second half. Greta Espinosa, 4-1. Goal side of her defender, very easy diving header in the back of the net. And how about a fifth, La Manita, Andrea Hernandez. Like, what do you do if you're the goalkeeper there? I mean, two of the goals, maybe three deflected off what's you, it's just not your day. El Tri Feminine sweeping their NWSL opposition in the international break with the win there. Here's your La Liga weekend schedule with a CONCACAF focus. We got Andres Guardado against Cesar Montes, Betis against Espanol, that's Saturday. Yunus Musa against Tecatito, Valencia against Sevilla on Sunday. And then Vasco Aguirre's Mallorca against Luca de la Torre and Celta on Monday. Don't miss a single game. MLS News, Major League Soccer has suspended Red Bulls forward Dante Van Zier for six games for using racist language during his team's match against San Jose last Saturday. In a statement, the league said Van Zier is prohibited from participating in the Lamar Hunt Open Cup, MLS Next Pro Games, and exhibition matches until the suspension is completed. MLS has also imposed an undisclosed fine and will require Van Zier to participate in additional league-mandated training and education sessions, as well as a restorative practices program. Vanzier, of course, did admit to using the racial slur. Herc, what do you think of Major League Soccer's punishment? Zero tolerance, huh? Went from zero tolerance to six games. I mean, how quickly you backed down, how quickly you bent, how quickly you broke. Um, if you wanted to be the initiative for change, if you wanted to be a league of choice, this isn't the way to do it.
Mm. For, for once, for once, because we've seen these things happen. Uh, David Guzman and Dio Mande LAFC, you, you, you saw it happen. Um, countless other times, Fragapane in Minnesota uh, with, with Diego Chara. You, you saw it happen. Taxi Fontas um, last year. For once, you had significant evidence. You had yeah. everything at your disposal for you to, to really make an example of somebody. Draw the line. It ends here. And you caved. You buckled. Six games. How is that zero tolerance? What kind of message are you sending to your players? It's a huge opportunity missed. I don't know what the right number is, Herc. I don't know what's enough, but I know six games isn't it. And I think you make the two points that are most critical, right? There is no ambiguity here. It's very clear what happened. The player admitted it. And it's not the first time that this has happened in recent MLS history. With those two things as a backdrop, MLS had every right to throw the book at Dante Van Zier. And if there wasn't a book to throw at him, to write it into reality. They could have given a 10-game ban, a 20-game ban. They could have thrown him out of the league. They could have done whatever they wanted that sent the message that this is not acceptable. And yet, Herc, they didn't do it. They send another message that is if you do something like this, you get a month and a half off if that, with the amount of games that they play, and you'll be right back to business as usual. Now, I don't know how the New York Red Bulls are going to handle this. They may want to take another course of action. But for me, for MLS to leave it at this, Herc, is not nearly enough. And I, I hate to say this because it is unfortunate that we are going to have to, I think again here, rely on the victims to seek justice. Because MLS has dropped the ball, as you say. But remember, the... Black Players for Change, the coalition that MLS was so eager to work with back in 2020. On their board, the other player involved in this incident, Jeremy Abobasi. I wonder if we're going to hear from them. We shouldn't have to hear from them. MLS should have taken care of this. But I wonder if we're going to hear from them. Because six games, I don't care who you are. There's nobody who can look at this with all the evidence that there is and say it's enough. It's pathetic. It is pathetic. And I, I, I don't know... If at all you could reprimand or, or in some way punish Struber, the, the, the coach. Gerhard Struber, the manager. The yeah. manager mm -hmm. uh, of the Red Bulls. Um, for all the information he had at his disposal and, and chose to ignore it, yeah. chose to say three points are more important than, than actually doing yeah. what's right here. I don't know how they can go about it, but you made a, a point, the Red Bulls. Because like, the league does something doesn't mean the Red mm -hmm. Bulls can't do something. This is a mm -hmm. great opportunity for them to show that they are the club that everybody hopes they can be. Yeah, Gerhard Struber, the manager for the Red Bulls, he issued an apology. It was very weak. And if they're going to re-educate the player here, they should probably re-educate the manager, to your point, because he certainly didn't know uh, what to do in that situation. Sad from the league. Speaking of sad, Hercules Gomez, your former club, the Los Angeles Galaxy. It's a sad state of affairs at the moment. Chris Klein, the embattled president, has promised season ticket holders in an email that he will step down at the end of the season if the club does not meet its goals. This, of course, amid supporter protests that have zapped Galaxy games of their atmosphere this season. What are the goals? Well, he claims it was to make the playoffs in 2022 and advance in the playoffs this year. Klein now in his 11th season with the club. Hurt, we know that you love a good reply all. Is there a get lost in the reply all to this email? This is just sad. It's almost embarrassing. Um, uphold the values of those who came before us. Mm. 
He literally said that. Uphold the values of those who came before us. What would you know of the values of those who came before you at the LA Galaxy? The Mauricio Cienfuegos, the Kobe Jones, the Carlos Reeses of those eras. A team that went a decade without missing the playoffs. For you to say that's the bar. Something that 60% of the league gets to do. That's the bar. That's how sad the situation is with the LA Galaxy now. Under Chris Klein, this team has missed the playoffs half of his tenure. Mm. Half of his tenure. And he's saying that's the bar. If not, I will step away. I'm tired of, I am so tired of talking about Chris Klein. <laughs> I'm over talking about Chris Klein. Mm. I don't want to talk about Jovan Karofsky. Dan Beckerman, AEG, the CEO of AEG. This is you being on notice. This isn't the Clippers, and I said that with all due respect to the Clippers, okay? Mm -hmm. It's the Board of Governors for Major League Soccer. You took over a very successful team from Tim Lightwicky. A guy who was successful with the LA Galaxy and Toronto, Toronto FC. And what you have managed to do is decimate a once very proud and important brand in Major League Soccer. It used to be a destination team. It used to be the one team in Major League Soccer that everybody wanted to be at, that they say would be favored by Major League Soccer. The rules were bent to get players there. The rules were bent because that was the model. That was the team. That was the brand. That was the power. Now, now, what you've done is you've made this once great team have to watch their neighbor win it all. Watch their neighbor be successful on and off the field. And fans, they don't want to hear about Chris Klein. They don't want to hear about playoffs. They want trophies. They want to be proud of their club again. This is more than a get lost, and it's no longer about Chris Klein, Jovan Karofsky, Greg Van, whoever you want. I feel bad for some of these players. Mm. I feel bad for Greg, Ber Greg Vanny in a sense. He's sitting there. He looks obviously irritated that he keeps mm -hmm. having to answer questions for a mm -hmm. Chris Klein who's hiding his face, who won't accept mm -hmm. questions, won't accept the crowd. Won't, don't write a letter. Go out and talk. Yes, yes, yes. That's the issue here, right? It's, it's the how. You'd love to say, hey, there's some accountability here, but it's the how because there's not really accountability. He's not meeting the press. He's not meeting the fans. He's sending an email. And on top of that, it's not very clear exactly what it is that he's committing himself to. Advancing in the playoffs. First of all, what a... What a horrifically low bar when everybody makes the playoffs in Major League Soccer. And then beyond that, what does that, what does that mean? You, you win a play-in game, you win a first-round series. What is it? What is it that it's going to take for him to be able to turn to these Galaxy fans and say that he's got this team going in the right direction? Because that's really what they want to hear, Herc. And to your point about Greg Vanny, I don't know if you saw his media availability today, but there was a rant in there about two minutes, 20 seconds long. And you can see, Herc, that the desperation around Chris Klein is starting to trickle down. Because Greg Vanny, in that rant, was talking about referee decisions and things that went against the Galaxy from 2021. When you're, when you're looking that far back in the past, you're in real big trouble. And I thought this might be isolated to Chris Klein, but it's pretty clear here. Greg Vanny, is, he's, he's in Chris Klein's camp. And, and, and once you see the problem go from one guy to the other, that desperation, whew. If I was a Galaxy fan, man, I'd be real worried with what's coming up. Greg Vanny spoke about context. You need to see the overall context. Um, mm. The Galaxy have zero wins. They've scored three goals this season. Uh, those DP signings, they made them. 
Nobody said, here's a DP, you have to play. They went out and got these players. He spoke about nobody represents the Galaxy like he has in his 400 games that he's represented the Galaxy as a player and coach. No fan wants to hear that because while you were with Toronto, you were elsewhere. They were still here. This was still their club. So yep. 400, those clubs blow that number or those fans, excuse me, blow that number out of the water. I understand Greg Vanny taking it personal. I understand that. And he thinks in his head they're moving in the right direction. They are not. They are not moving in the right direction today. This is a club that is no longer the same team and is an afterthought and no longer relevant in the way that they see themselves in Major League Soccer. I mentioned what's coming up for the LA Galaxy. El Tráfico, Sunday, the showdown with LAFC, Herc. We haven't, we haven't done a book it in a while, but I know you've been red hot with some of your parlay picks. So why don't you pick something for the good people out there in Los Angeles as we get set for El Tráfico. All right, here's the parlay. It's going to pay mm -hmm. 340 plus 340. Ooh. You got to get over two and a half goals. You got to get Carlos Vela and Javier Hernandez anytime goal scores. And here's why. Plus 340, keep that in mind. It's a great payout. Yep, First off, yep. there's going to be goals in this game. 17 games played uh, between these two. I, I believe the average like 4.41 goals per game. There's always goals in these games. And when we talk about the goal scorers, who will score the goals? I know I just told you the Galaxy have only scored uh -huh. three goals this season. None of those by Javier Hernandez. He just came back from injury. But if there's one thing that Javier Hernandez has done well is when they play in Carson, versus mm. when they play mm. at home versus LAFC in the four games that he's played against them, three goals. The other side of that equation, who needs to be the other goal scorer is Carlos Vela. Listen, <laughs> Carlos Vela owns El Tráfico. In the 12 games he's played in El Tráfico, 12 games he's played, 10 goals, six assists. That man owns this. And I know, I know they're struggling, but the LA Galaxy has still never lost to LAFC mm. at home. League play and open cup play. There will be goals. These mm -hmm. guys love scoring goals, plus 340. I like that pick. This feels like the total fanboy parlay. I'm picking the two biggest names in the game, and I'm I got numbers that to back score. it up. I just backed I it up with numbers. I know, but, but a couple episodes I'm reminded that when I'm cheering for Chicharito to be back in the Mexican national team, you're telling me all the reasons that he shouldn't be, all, all the points against his case, and now you're saying he's going to score against One game, LAFC. Not a tenure. What was, your, what was your payout there? Plus 340. Plus Let's see if we can do better. All right. I'll let okay. you get. Oh! All right. So at some point, Herc, just like the Philadelphia Union are due against LAFC, LAFC is due in Carson. And if ever was that time, it's now. So as part of my parlay, I'm taking LAFC money line. I agree with you. And I agree with history. There's going to be goals in this game. So the over 2.5 to me seems very, very obvious. My anytime goal scorer, Denny Bawanga, who just moments ago on this very show, if, if I'm correct, Hercules Gomez called one of the, the best players in North America. Yeah, I'm taking that guy. This is my parlay, and it's a little bit sweeter than yours, Herc, at plus 400. How you like that? Well, you're a hater. You're only doing this because I chose not to go against the Galaxy here. Mm -hmm. um, I you, do you think the Galaxy gets something from this game? This Honestly, is, a result. This is what I think. If there was ever a time where they could turn their season around, this yeah. would be the game. This would be the parting of the waters. This would be the. This is where it changed for us. Zero wins, three goals for all season. 
against a red-hot LAFC team in league play and then CONCAC champions. I think this is a statement game if they ever had an opportunity to make that statement. And if you really want to send a message to your fans, this is the game you do it. There you go. There you go. Opportunity for the Galaxy, opportunity for LAFC as well to get that first win in Carson. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. We will be back on Monday with a full recap of the aforementioned El Tráfico between LAFC I'm and going. the LA Am Galaxy. No. Herc will be there. LA Galaxy fans, go say hi to your club legend. LAFC fans, oh, only three go trophies. say hello to your fellow fan. Huh? Only three trophies. <laughs> Whatever. Thank <laughs> you.